Amen. Amen. 2,000 years ago, God in the flesh stood on the hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, speaking to a, to a gathering of people, probably not all that different than us in this room this morning. I mean, they had their hopes, their hurts, their dreams. They had their struggles, their fears, their doubts. They had their worries, and they were no doubt a little messed up, just like every one of us sitting in here today. And during this talk, Jesus told them a lot of things about what it looks like to follow him and what it looks like to live in his kingdom, things that make them scratch their heads and things that left their mouths hanging wide open. And listen, what he said about them, what he said about these struggling, doubtful, messed up people in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, I think pretty much blew their minds. He said to them, he says, you are the light of the world. Uh, Turn to the person to your right and left, look in the eye and tell them you are the light of the world. Now, if you're married and you want to win some points, guys, you may want to say, you are the light of my world, right? (laughs) That could win you some points, right? You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. In heaven. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you. God, for yours is the kingdom, and yours is the glory, and yours is a name above all names. And Father, I pray that this day your spirit would descend upon us, God, that we would have open ears, open hearts, open minds, and that because what happens in this place today, that, that our world is better, that our, our world is brighter, that that more darkness is pushed back in this world through your son and his gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now last week, we, we kicked off our brand new message series, Flip the Script. It's about the lies we believe and the truths that can set us free. And remember, flipping the script, it's about uh, turning a circumstance around. It's about embracing a, a new mindset. It, it, it's about doing the unexpected. It's about changing your story. It, it's about letting God's truth, God's scripture, become the script for your life. And, and the premise of the series is that you and I have an enemy. An enemy that has one goal for your life and mine. To steal, to kill, and to destroy the abundant and full life that Jesus won for you on the cross. And listen, his most effective strategy in accomplishing this is by telling us lies. And here's the deal. If we, if we believe a lie, we give it the same power in our life as if it were true, even though it's not. Now, last Sunday, we talked about how this truth has lived out in some pretty insignificant things in our lives, like carrots will improve your vision. Wounds need to breathe in order to heal. You need to wait 30 minutes after eating before you jump into the pool again. Now, none of these are true. Yet many of us have believed them and therefore live by them. We eat carrots, we let our wounds breathe, and we wait 30 minutes before we jump back into the pool. In fact, I was FaceTiming with my son John this week, and I was talking about the message, and when I mentioned about the lie about wounds needing to breathe the heal, he goes, that's not true? 
who did hear that from? Me? Who would I hear that from? My mom. <laughs> right? I said, no, let them things breathe. And it's kind of interesting that on Sunday in the paper, Ginger Ainge brought this to me, that the comic strip was this. I, I've never heard of pearls before swine, except in the Bible. But what are you guys doing? Exploring all the things our moms told us that aren't true. Like sitting close, too close to the TV ruins your eyesight. Not true. And that you have to wait a half hour after you eat to swim. Not true. How if you make a face, it can stay that way. <laughs> Not true. That if you swallow your gum, it stays in your stomach for seven years. Not true. That running with scissors is dangerous. Not true. And then I think he fell and got poked with the scissors. Hey, maybe that one, maybe that one is true. And, and go try that at home. And, and here's the bottom line, and, and I, I hope you're listening because it's really important the lies you believe have the power to determine the story that you live. And the sad truth is that far too many people are living the wrong story. Maybe that's you. Because they keep reading from the wrong script, accepting lies as the truth. Like the lie we flipped the script on last week. That you don't have what it takes. A lie that your enemy feeds you and communicates to you through your critics, through your circumstances, and through your comparisons. And how do you flip the script on this lie? As with every other lie, your enemy tells with Scripture, just like Jesus did in Luke chapter 4. Jesus does battle with the evil one in the wilderness. He lies to him three times. He tells Jesus, you are what you do. You are what you have. You are what other people think of you. And Jesus flipped the script with scripture. He says, man does not live on bread alone. You should worship the Lord your God only. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Each time Jesus flipped the enemy's lies with scripture. Understand, scripture is your script cure. And that's why you need to read. That's why you need to read the Bible. And here's a statement that's true. I, I, I stood on my Facebook this week. You'll never be able to live, you'll never be able to play out your role in God's redemptive story if you are spending little, if any time, reading his word. See, God has a role he wants you to play, but if you're not in the script, you will never play out that role. Get it? Good. And, and the scripture that flips the script and sets you free from the lie that you do not have what it takes is Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Repeat after me. I am God's workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for me to do. And so the next time your enemy tries to get you to believe the lie that you do not have what it takes through your critics, your circumstances, or through comparison... Simply smile and say, <clears throat> yeah, that may be true, but in Christ Jesus, I do. It may be true, I don't have what it takes, but in Christ Jesus, I do have what it takes. If you missed last week's message, I'd encourage you to check it out online. It, it was really important. And this week, we're going to learn how to flip the script on another lie of your enemy. 
It's a line of script that he has consistently been feeding Jesus' followers throughout the centuries. And this is the lie. You can't really make a difference. You ever believe that? Are you believing that now? And why would our enemy want you and I to believe this lie, that you can't make a difference? Why? Because he loves to keep us on the sidelines. You see, he's terrified of Jesus' followers actually engaging their world with the love of Christ and making it a better place. Understand, he loves injustice. He loves to see hurting people, broken people, captive people, hopeless people stay that way. He loves to see human needs go unmet. And listen, he knows that if he can get us to stay on the sidelines, he knows that if he can get us to believe this lie, well, more than likely not even try to make a difference. I mean, why even bother? The need is too great. The task is too large. The obstacles are too many. And our ability is too insignificant. So on the sidelines, we stay. And therefore, his darkness remains. And yet, both the pages of, of, of Scripture and of history are, are full of stories of people, individual people who, who saw an injustice, who saw a need, who saw a pain, who left the sidelines, who walked between the chalk lines, who did something. And in doing, they, they made a difference. Uh, Joseph stepped up and wound up feeding a nation through a seven-year famine. M Moses stepped up and led his people out of slavery. Joshua stepped up and filled Moses' sandals and led his people into the promised land. David stepped up, stepped into a valley and led his people into victory. Esther stepped into a throne room and she saved her people from genocide. Uh, this week I Googled the phrase, one person can make a difference, examples. And I, I found some really inspiring examples of people who saw a need, saw an injustice, and they developed this holy discontent. This, I, I can't live with this, not on my watch, and they did something. Nelson Mandela, born in South Africa in 1918, he, he fought a lifelong battle to end apartheid. It was the racial separation in South Africa. And this guy would spend 18 years in prison, and not a really fun prison, and twice he refused to be set free. All he had to do was say, I would no longer fight against apartheid. He's eventually released and becomes the president of South Africa. Rosa Parks. She was born in 1913 in Alabama. And this one, man's, one woman's courage to stand up to the establishment and refusing to give up her seat on a bus to a white passenger on a bus in Montgomery, Alabama would spur a citywide boycott and the city would eventually lift that law. And this one action by this one individual would help launch a civil rights movement. Candace Leitner. In 1980, her 13-year-old daughter was killed by a drunk driver. And in response, she formed an organization that most of us are well aware of, MAD, Mothers Against Drunk Driving. And since its founding in September 15, 1980, 350 lives have been saved, 850,000 victims have been served, and drunk driving has decreased by 53%. Raul Wallenberg, this guy's nuts, y'all. I mean, seriously. He's a Swedish architect and businessman in 
Budapest during World War II, and he saw thousands of Jews being shipped off in trains to concentration camps, and he just had to do something, and do something he did. And that something led to over 100,000 Jewish people being rescued. Here's another guy. In 1947, Robert Pierce, a pastor, was visiting China, and he ran into a teacher who introduced him to a battered and abandoned child by the name of Wade, uh, White Jade. Uh, unable to care for the child herself, the lady looked at Robert and said, what are you going to do about her? And he gave that teacher his last $5 bill and said, I'm going to give you $5 every month so you can care for her. And this encounter was a turning point for Pierce, and he began building an organization dedicated to helping the world's children. And in 1950, World Vision was born. And now every year, 4 million children are helped in 100 countries around the world. Brothers and sisters, the script, the lie of Satan that you can't make a difference is just that. It's a lie. Because you were created in Christ Jesus to make a difference. After all, we are the light of the world. And listen, light always makes a difference every time it comes into contact with darkness. Every time. You may not even notice that light was on. Now you notice. I got this little light right here, right? Now you can see it, right? Every time. It doesn't matter how dark it is. In fact, the darker it is, the brighter the light shines. You can turn the lights back up. Every time light encounters darkness, darkness is pushed away. Amen? Amen? And you're the light of the world. Jesus said it, right? He doesn't lie. Uh, today is Freedom Sunday. And it's a day where thousands of churches across the world and in our country are partnering with IJM, International Justice Mission, an organization founded by Gary Hagen in 1997. He, he was a lawyer, worked for the Justice Department, and he was kind of loaned to the United Nations to go to Rwanda in the 90s after the genocide there. And Gary saw all the pain, all the hurt, all the injustice, and he just had to do something. It gave him a holy discontent. Not on my watch, said Gary. And for 20 years now, IJM has been rescuing people around the world, saving them from injustice. Now understand, when the Bible talks about injustice, it's referring to a very specific kind of sin. Injustice is the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God intends for them. Their life, their dignity, and the fruits of their love and labor. Just, injustice is the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God intends for them. Their life, their dignity, and the fruits of their love and their labor. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes gives us a simple and painful picture of injustice. I observed all the oppression that takes place under the sun. I saw the tears of the oppressed with no one to comfort them. The oppressors have great power and their victims are helpless. This is a biblical picture of injustice. It's a picture of someone who has power oppressing someone who does not. It's a picture of someone who has taken from someone who has not. 
And we see this abuse of power in the, the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, when God's people spent 400 years in slavery. Exodus 1, beginning of verse 11, says, The Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. They appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. The Egyptians worked the people of Israel without mercy. They made their lives bitter, forcing them to mix mortar and make bricks and to do all the work in the fields and all their hard labor. The Egyptians used them ruthlessly. And just as the abuse of power to take from others the good things that God intends for them, their life, their dignity, and the fruits of their love and labor. And of course, it's, it's hard for us in America when we hear of slavery to not think of the 400-year-old stain that rests on Western civilization when a transatlantic slave trade ripped approximately 15 million people from their homeland. And nearly 80%, I don't really know this, but nearly 80% went to the West Indies and to South America. And, you know, it would be great to be able to say, you know what, that what we read in Exodus and what we saw in our own history is just that. It's history, right? It would be great for us to live in a world that's different, to live in a world that is less brutal, that is more just. But that's not the case. You see, slavery is, is just as widespread or more widespread today than it, than it was hundreds of years ago. Check out the following statistics. 46 million people are held in slavery today. 46 million is a population, is greater than the population of 158 countries in the world. Uh, 46 million people is more slaves than were trafficked during the 400 years of the slave trade. Three times as much. More people are enslaved today than any time in history. And this one's really crazy. 46 million is the number of people living in Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, Delaware, New Hampshire, Maine, and Connecticut combined. That's crazy. Sex trafficking. Between 4.2 million and 11.6 million people are held in forced commercial sexual exploitation. A child goes missing in India every eight seconds. And nearly half are never found. Uh, those numbers kind of take your breath away, don't they? And, and, and those numbers represent a real person, a real child. And, and what I want to do, I, I, I want to put a face on one of those numbers. It, it's about an IJM rescue in India. Now, I would say the video is a PG video. You know, if you have a small child, you may want to step out. There's not, you don't see anything. Uh, but it's about the story of, uh, of a young girl you know, who, who was forced into sex trafficking. It's a real person. And this is her story. And again, if you have a small child, you may want to take them out. But I want to put a face on this for you and for me. Amen. Question, what, what, do, we, what do we do with, with this information? I, I mean, how should we respond to Shadna's story? And the reality of millions of others suffering such injustice. Should we simply ignore it? You know, just turn the channel in our minds because it's just too uncomfortable to think about? Listen, the best place to start is to ask ourselves, how does God feel about this? How does God feel about injustice? 
And listen, when we look at Scripture, we find the answer to the question is pretty straightforward. God, he hates injustice. There's many verses I could read that speak to God's hatred of injustice. I just want to read a few. Deuteronomy 24, do not deprive the foreigner or fatherless of justice or take the cloak of a widow as a pledge. Deuteronomy 27, curse is anyone who denies justice to foreigners, orphans, or widows. And all the people reply, amen. Psalm 97, 2, dark clouds surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Isaiah 59, the Lord looked and was displeased to find there was no justice. He was amazed to see that no one intervened to help the oppressed. Wow. God, he hates injustice. And understand, God's answer to injustice was and is Jesus. And again, a lot of scripture I could read. I'm just going to read two. Isaiah 9. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Yes, God's answer to injustice is Jesus, and that answer put on flesh 2,000 years ago. And in Luke chapter 4, Jesus makes it really clear what his work, what his mission was all about. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. A scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it to the attendant, and sat down. And all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them, this scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. I mean, imagine the reaction in the synagogue that day. I mean, Jesus is telling them that all the promises of the, of the prophets and all that their history was pointing to and was waiting for is now here, standing right before them was the Messiah. And that he was here to bring good news to the poor, proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and freedom for the oppressed. Now, one way this passage has been understood is, is that Jesus' mission was about freeing us from our sin. He brings good news to those poor in spirit who recognize their sin. And he proclaims freedom to us who are captive to sin. And he heals us who are blinded by our sin. And he sets us free from the oppression of our sin. And, and this is true, right? And, and this is good news, right? It's the gospel. But, but when we stop there, we miss another important aspect of, of Jesus' proclamation. That his mission is not just to rescue people spiritually and offer spiritual freedom. But in a very real way, Jesus is declaring that he's offering freedom from all those who are in bondage physically, imprisoned by other people. Yes, there is a massive global epidemic called slavery. But there is a heaven-sent mandate 
called the gospel. God, he hates injustice. Jesus, he's God's answer to injustice. What about you? Well, we already said it, right? You are the light of the world. And when the enemy whispers to you, 46 million people in slavery, right? You can't really make a difference. You need to flip the script with Scripture. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So the next time you see an injustice, the next time you see a need, the the next time you you see an issue that needs to be turned around, that, that needs someone to step up, do something. And if your enemy tells you that you can't really make a difference, you tell him, are you kidding me? Of course I can make a difference. Because in Christ, I am the light of the world. I'm a light that shines on injustice. A light that moves, a light that acts, a light that does something. A light that brings good news to the poor, healing to the hurting, hope to the hopeless, freedom to the captive, rescue to the oppressed, meaning to the marginalized, family to the forgotten. Yes, there's a massive global epidemic called slavery, but there's a heaven-sent mandate called the gospel. Understand, freed people, free people. Loved people, love people. Found people, find people. Brothers and sisters, you are a freedom fighter. You are the light of the world. You are one who's called to raise your voice for the voiceless. For the poor, for the captive, for the oppressed. You see, those are the things that are, that are to drive us as a people. Get it? Good. And that's what drives the organization IJM. I know that because I've met several of them when I was in the DR. IJM consists of you know, Christian lawyers and investigators and social workers and pastors and graphic designers, about every kind of job you can think of. And they work through 17 field offices throughout Africa, Latin America, South and Southeast Asia, preventing and rescuing and restoring. Our students went their headquarters in D.C. On, on Friday. And listen, they're not just seeing real freedom for individuals caught in slavery. They, they've rescued, since, since Gary was moved with that holy discontent to form IJM, they've rescued over 40,000 people from slavery. Amen? They've also seen Real freedom in in cities and countries. For example, in Cambodia, a country that used to be considered ground zero for the sex tourist industry. However, 15 years, after 15 years of collaboration between Cambodian leaders and police and courts and social workers and organizations like IJM, there's been a drastic change in Cambodia. A 2015 study confirmed by IJM found that the prevalence of young minors in the largest commercial sex market in the country, which was estimated at one time as high as 30% of that young population, has virtually been eradicated to less than one-tenth of 1%. Isn't 
I mean, think about that. That means that thousands, yeah. I have three daughters. <laughs> Some of you have daughters, right? You know daughters. You know young girls. We got a children's wing down there, right? That means that thousands of young girls and young boys will never experience this kind of thing in the first place. Every day we move closer to seeing slavery end it in our lifetime. From the perspective of the mission of Jesus, this is precisely what happens when the church stands up and answers the call that Jesus said in Luke chapter 4. It's a call to go after the lost sheep, to the forgotten, the least of these, to those kicked to the curb. It's a call to pursue a religion that, that God finds acceptable. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for the orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Brothers and sisters, you really can make a difference. You are the light of the world. And yes, there is a massive global epidemic called slavery, but there is a heaven-sent mandate called the gospel. Let's, let's be a people who pushes back the darkness and helps bring an end to slavery in our lifetime. And listen, some exciting things are happening there was a guy named Dave McCleary. He was at a passion conference, and he didn't even know this existed years ago. He was a member of the Atlanta Rotary Club. When he heard about this, he, he said, this is nuts. He began telling everybody in his Rotary Club, this year at their big conference, international conference, with twenty to 40,000 uh, people in the Rotary, that there's 1.2 million worldwide, they had a huge panel. It's on my Facebook. Incredible. Senator Corker, Ashton Kusher, um, Gary Haugen, who founded IJM. This huge council, and they're taking this thing on. Listen, the Rotary is pretty powerful. Decades ago, they said, we got to get rid of polio, and, and guess what? Since they did that, 2.5 billion children have been immunized, and and Reduce polio by 99.9%. And Ashton Kushner, you know, Kushner, whatever his name is, right? He's got this organization called Thorn. It deals with the internet and computers and digital thing and, and getting rid of all that garbage that's out there. And so great things are happening. And listen, you, 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 may, never, you, you may never take part in a raid on a brothel, right? Chances are you're not. You, know, you may never sit across the table with someone who is in recovery from sexual trafficking or slavery. But yet you can still be a part. You can be a part of it by partnering with IJM, becoming what they call a freedom partner. All right? For $24 a month, you can be a freedom partner. 80 cents a day, right? You can join them in their fight to end slavery in our lifetime. IJM.org backslash FP. Uh, imagine someday sitting with your grandchildren and having them ask you, Nana, Papa, G Paul, Mimi, whatever they call you, where were you? Where, where were you when there was an epidemic of violence that was devastating the world's poor? Where were you when there were more slaves than any time in human history? Where were you when, when children, millions of them, 
were being trafficked into brick factories and sold as sex slaves. I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to be able to tell them and, and, and tell Jesus one day, you know where I was? You know, I, 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 I linked arms with other believers around the world, and, and I linked arms with a, a an organization called International Justice Mission, and I did something. 80 cents a day, right? I think most of us can afford 80 cents a day to know that you're a part of ending slavery in our lifetime. Brothers and sisters, you really can make a difference. In fact, you were created in Jesus to make a difference. Because in Christ, you messed up you, and you're messed up, (laughs) Amen? As I always say, you know, this is a church, I'm a messed up pastor and a church full of messed up people. But as messed up we are, Jesus says that, hey, you are the light of the world. You can make a difference. And understand, if you see, or God has already shown you an injustice, an unmet need, some hurting, hopeless, broken, poor, captive people, if God has shown you something that, that, that is not as it should or could be in, in the world, in, in, in this community, in our city, maybe even in your family, in your workplace, in, in your school. And that something that needs to be made right. I mean, it just gets in your gut, right? It gets stuck in your crawl, right? And it creates this holy discontent that, that I, I, I got to do something about it. Don't believe the lie that you can't really make a difference. That's just too big. (laughs) Too many obstacles. Be like Moses. Be like Esther. Be like Rosa Parks. Be, Be like Robert Pierce. And do something. Do something. Because you can make a difference. And if God has put a holy discontent for something in this world that's not right and that is dark, do something. Do something. Do not believe the lie that you can't really make a difference. Because you can. In Christ you can. Amen? Would you stand and pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the freedom that we have. We thank you that in Christ that we're no longer slaves, that we're not slaves to our sin. We're not not slaves to the threats of the enemy, Lord. We're not slaves to fear or doubt. And God, I pray that you would help us to know, Lord, that there's so much in our world that's not right. There's so much injustice and darkness everywhere. And you've called each of us to be the light of the world and And God, I pray that if we see an injustice, if we see something, God, that we would just do something and believe that we can, in Christ, make a difference. In Jesus' name, amen.